Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. Woo. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this time changed tonight by your spirit that the Holy Spirit does what no man can do. Your presence, your spirit, that we make room for the Holy Spirit, yield to him, respond to him, to be filled, to be filled until we overflow, filled with the spirit of God. Thank you for your word. We receive your word, that your word works mightily. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you work in us tonight. And you supply through the supply of the Spirit, through prayer and the supply of the Spirit, that you turn things around and you open up new things and new blessing. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You can sit down if you want to. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I've already had fun tonight. I don't know about you. I had fun already. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, let's see here. If you would, <clears throat> we want to talk some about the work, the person, and the work of the Holy Spirit. So we, we could go ahead and look at Romans 14, 17. You may have that in your Bible. It was just on the board up here. So Romans 14, 17, uh, where the Apostle Paul talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Uh, other translators translate the kingdom of God, the realm of God. <laughs> the realm of God. In other words, you can walk in the realm of God or walk with God, the kingdom of God. Other translations, because God is a spirit, John 4, 24, other translations call the kingdom of God, the spirit dimension, the spirit dimension or the realm of the spirit or the realm of God or the dominion of God. So he basically gives three characteristics here, the Apostle Paul, three main characteristics, what he says of the kingdom of God. One is righteousness, understanding the gift of righteousness, which is a radical revelation to understand the free gift of righteousness, that you have right standing with God through the blood of Jesus, and you're free from a sense of sin or guilt or inferiority or shame or struggling because you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, and you just can't be 50% righteous or 75% righteous or 90% righteous or 99% righteous. There's really only one kind, and it's 100% righteous. And God's made you the very righteousness, his righteousness in Christ Jesus. So that's a major, major subject in the kingdom of God because Satan is an accuser constantly bringing up your failures and your mistakes. But when you see the power of the blood of Jesus, then you move from a guilt or shame or struggling and you move over into a righteousness consciousness. Hallelujah. Right standing with God. What's well, a major subject? It's, I call it the radical revolutionary revelation of the reality of righteousness. Is that enough R's for you? You want me to add some more for you? The radical. It's radical. I mean, it, it's just opposite of anything religion can do is a revelation of righteousness that comes through the blood of Jesus. Major subject in the kingdom of God. And that righteousness is not something you earn or work for. It's just something that God gives it to you as a free gift. Free gift. Amen. Just a free gift. He said, I, he said, I knew you'd never measure up, so I'm just going to give it to you. Jesus paid for it. 
and I'm just going to give it to you. The gift of righteousness. Go ahead and laugh about that. So uh, that means you're free from a sense of struggling, you know, and trying and Satan's accusations. You just uh, apply the blood of Jesus. That'll shut him up. And the blood of Jesus also reaches into your conscience and silences the voice of self-condemnation. Let's try that one again. I said the blood of Jesus in the New Testament not only forgives sin, but the blood, he says, reaches into your conscience and removes sin, consciousness, or guilt, or shame. So the blood of Jesus actually produces a righteousness consciousness on the inside, or it silences the voice that's trying to tell you you don't measure up. The blood's shuts the mouth of the enemy and the blood produces a consciousness that you have been made righteous. Amen. Not going to get it. Not someday going to get it. You've got it right now by the blood of Jesus. You can't get no better at it. Amen. You can't grow in it. It just gives it to you a free gift. Praise the Lord. We call that the what? Radical, revolutionary revelation of the reality of righteousness. <laughs> and it seemed like Jesus actually disliked self-righteousness more than unrighteousness. In other words, you're trying to measure up on your own, then you get proud of what you did or didn't do. But when you come through the blood of Jesus, you just got to talk about how good he is. Amen. So that is a major, major subject and a major revelation in the gospel of Christ that it is a revelation of righteousness. The free gift of righteousness. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, that's a pretty good one right there. The second one is uh, peace, the peace of God. That means you're not disturbed, upset, frustrated. You know, uh, you have, you, you don't have the anxiety that everybody else has. You have the peace of God in your heart and in your mind. So that's a major subject is the, that Jesus told the woman this year of blood. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. What does that mean? That means the same faith that made you whole will keep you whole. So go in peace and don't be disturbed, confused, and upset, wondering if the enemy's going to bring that situation back on you. The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind. Amen. All right, well, let's go to number three here because this is the one we want to look at just a little bit tonight. This one is called joy in the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you still got the scripture up there. He says the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. Everybody say joy in the Holy Ghost. Well, there is such a thing as what we would call the joy of faith, the joy of faith, that you rejoice by faith. But there is another thing called joy in the Holy Ghost, joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, what is that? Well, he said, whatever it is, it's a major characteristic of the kingdom of God. Or you could say it literally is kingdom culture. Kingdom culture. That means that when you're in the kingdom of God, then in that atmosphere of joy and the Holy Ghost, it's really something that the world don't have and the world can't duplicate. This joy in the Holy Ghost. Hmm. What is that joy in the Holy Ghost? Well, I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, joy is the serious business of heaven. 
That means anytime heaven is taking care of serious business, it will do it in an atmosphere of joy. You say, why? Because God ain't struggling. Somebody said, God has never said, uh-oh. He's not surprised by your problem. And there's something about the Holy Spirit. I like a characteristic of the Holy Spirit. Well, I was studying the scriptures one time and I looked all the way to Genesis chapter one to see the work of the Holy Spirit. And it says the earth in the beginning was without form and void, darkness and chaos and a big mess. And it says, and the Holy Spirit moved on the face of the deep. (laughs) When I read that, the Lord talked to me kind of funny. He said, he said, you see, the Holy Spirit is not afraid of any kind of mess. No matter how big the mess is, no matter how bad the mess is, no matter who made the mess, and no matter how long the mess has been there, the Holy Spirit, when he sees a mess, he don't run from it, he runs to it. He says, I believe we can fix it. Amen. So I like to say the Holy Spirit has a reputation for working with some real losers and making them champions. So don't look at anybody right now, but you might be a candidate. In other words, when things are in a big mess, when everybody else stays away from you, the Holy Spirit will jump right in the middle of that mess. And things that are ugly and out of order, come on, he's your best friend. That means on your worst day, if everybody else walks out, the Holy Spirit will say, I'm still here and I'm ready to get to work. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to study some about the Holy Spirit, well, you can see the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, Jesus in John 14, 15, 16, Jesus seemed to be pretty excited about the Holy Spirit. He seemed to be pretty excited about him. (laughs) He said, I'm going to go away. He said, "But, but when the comforter comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, when the comforter comes. So several times he'll say, when the comforter comes. When he comes, so Jesus is pretty excited about him coming. In other words, Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but when the comforter comes. So he wasn't saying, well, I'm going to go away, and boy, when I go away, this thing is going to fall apart. I've been working with several of you knotheads for three years, and I'm tired of all your goof-ups. No, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to go away, and everything's going to collapse. He said, when I go away, when I send the Holy Spirit, he's with you, you know him, but in that day, he's going to move on the inside of you forever. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Now, why is he going to stay in you forever? Well, there's several reasons. Number one, you could look at God as our redeemer, and he kind of looks at your condition, man's condition, and he says, what's it going to take to fix that? So he actually can give a a proper appraisal of how much damage has been done and what's it going to cost to fix it. (laughs) In other words, he has not misdiagnosed the problem. So he said, now to fix it, we're going to have to send Jesus. And so he's going to get in a body. He's going to die on the cross, shed his blood, be raised from the dead and purchase your redemption, defeat the devil. He said, okay, that's going to, that's going to take care of that. He said, well, then it looks like uh, after he's raised from the dead, we'll have to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's already been with him, but now he's going to move in him. Well, how long is he going to have to stay? Well, you know, he could probably do some pretty good work in a week or two. He said, but we've kind of looked at your case and we decided he's probably going to have to move in you forever. (laughs) 
So um, that means you're going to need him <laughs> on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That means you're going to need the Holy Spirit every day. If you didn't need him, Jesus would not have sent him. So Jesus did a lot of teaching on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, how to recognize him and how to respond to him. Amen. How to make room for him. And he, one of the greatest things Jesus said in John 14, 15, 16, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to move in you. And he said, and in that day, you're going to know that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I am in you. Let's try that again. He said, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to know that I'm one with the Father. I'm in the Father. You are in me, and I'm in you. All right, let's try that again. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be conscious and aware and know personally that Jesus and the Father God are one. He said, I'm in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Well, that ought to take care of it right there. Whatever you're dealing with, I mean, that ought to help you get over it. He said, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, amen, he's going to move on the inside of you. So you could say it this way. The Holy Spirit brings you into closest fellowship with God. Or you could say it this way. You cannot be any closer to Jesus than you are yielded to the Holy Spirit. Let's try that again. I said, you can't be any closer to Jesus than you're yielded to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he said, your relationship with me, he said, is going to change. He said, because when he comes, he's going to take what is mine and show it to you yes. or communicate it to you. Amen. <laughs> Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And even if you're a slow learner, he's going to communicate it to you where you can understand it. He can do it on a very personal level. The Holy Spirit, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I said, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Amen. So in Christianity, this is a major facet of what Jesus has done for us, but now the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. Here's the way Kenneth E. Hagin or Dad Hagin said it. He said the world needs to be taught to receive Jesus, but the church needs to be taught to receive the Holy Spirit. All right, let's try this out over here. Sometimes I think in church we're still trying to get people to receive Jesus. You know, 52 different varieties of Sundays are trying to get them to receive Jesus. Well, you have received Jesus. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, he takes the things of Christ and makes them real to you. Or you could say it this way, the Holy Spirit takes everything Jesus has done for you and makes it a reality in you. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. But he's not a bully. You know, by bully, he's not mean. He's not rough. He don't force you to do anything. Actually, you actually have to invite him or welcome him. Amen. The devil's a bully. He pushes and drives people. The Holy Spirit will only prompt you. And so the word for the Holy Spirit is the word paraclete. And that word paraclete used there is translated comforter, comforter. But it means several other things more than just comforter. It means your comforter, your counselor. 
your strengthener, your standby, your intercessor, your advocate, your helper. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And he said, he is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And he dwells inside of you. In other words, you have a tremendous advantage when you've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you and you recognize him and you yield to him. Amen. And Jesus compared this relationship with the Holy Spirit. He compared it to drinking from his presence. Jesus said, come unto me and drink. He didn't say, come unto me and think. The church has too many thinkers and not enough drinkers. Come on, if you go into a bar, you can't get drunk by thinking. You're going to have to do some drinking. You can't get stopped by the police say, officer, I was just sitting in there thinking. No, he knows if you're intoxicated, you were in there drinking. So Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to bring you into a drinking relationship with God. Let's try that again. You can't just have a thinking relationship with God. You got to have a drinking relationship with God. So let's see who the original drinkers were. I don't know if they got a t-shirt or not, but let's see who the original drinkers were. Who's the original drinkers? Anybody know? We would say the original drinkers were in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. These are 120 people. And believe me, listen, 500 people that loved Jesus, that knew the Lord, that he met with, were invited to the drinking party. 500 were invited. How many showed up? 120. <laughs> I mean, even Jesus has trouble getting people to show up. Listen, so if you got 500 invited, 120 show up, then you got 380 people that are too busy to be filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Apparently, they got some real busy schedules. So the original drinkers... From John chapter 7, Jesus said, come and drink. The original drinkers are on the day of Pentecost. There's 120 people there, and I don't know if they knew exactly what was going to happen or what to expect, but they wanted everything Jesus had for them, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. So that means if you're going to honor Mary, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because Mary's there. I don't know, if you would have been married, you would have probably thought, well, I've done enough for the Lord. <laughs> it's been a real roller coaster ride, you know, giving birth to the Son of God and angels singing and all that stuff and losing him at 12 years old and he's in the temple teaching and then all the miracles start and stuff like that and then he gets crucified and I about passed out on that one. Then he's raised from the dead. I've had enough of this. But Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus said, you need the Holy Spirit. Imagine Mary, the kind of woman she was, that she wanted everything that God had for her. In other words, she never found a stopping point. She said, I want that too. She showed up on the day of Pentecost, got the t-shirt, and was an original drinker. I don't know if Elizabeth, you know, Mary and Elizabeth there on the side of the hill, you know, prophesying to each other, you know, and laughing. I mean, and the only man there, God had to shut him up. So I don't know what, I'm not sure what all that means, but apparently women uh, respond to the Holy Spirit better than men. Don't look around at no men right now. But anyway, so 120, 
120. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all what? Filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So you know several things that happened. One is it said that fire set upon each one of their heads. Now, if your head is on fire, you're going to have a hard time acting normal. I mean, I could just light your foot on fire and you wouldn't act normal. But it said there was fire on each one of their heads, which means this was not a spectator sport. You don't know what I mean? In other words, you don't have to get happy over what somebody else is getting. God's going to give you fire on your head. So they had fire on their head, which is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And the anointing sometimes feels like fire. It feels like fire. I feel it in my hands right now. It feels like fire. It feels like electricity. That's a tangible anointing. What does that fire do? Well, a couple of things. One, it destroys the works of the devil. Number two, it ignites the gift and the call of God in your spirit. Thank God for the fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So they had fire on their heads. Amen. And then it says the wind, the Holy Spirit began to blow like wind began to blow, right? 120, they're all filled. And then they began to speak in a supernatural language that they had never learned. Now that could be the language of tongues of men or of angels. In other words, it could be a heavenly language or it could be an earthly language. That means I preached in, in, in uh, all across Africa, even into the deepest parts of Africa, Zaire and Tanzania and Kenya, and we were way out in the bush where I had to have three interpreters to preach. Now, you ever preached with three interpreters? That means you forgot what you said by the time the second one and the third one said, you're like, what was that? Don't say it again. So, I mean, you talk you three hours. So you go through three interpreters. So they didn't know, they didn't know English. Obviously they didn't even know Swahili come on in tribal languages like Chagogo or those tribal languages. So they're way back in the country or in the bush. But when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, I heard them speak in English. Come on, I was a young man. When I heard that, I went, there is a God. <laughs> In case you were wondering, I went, that must be something real going on here, man. Because <laughs> when they were filled on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in a supernatural language. Amen. Hallelujah. And so that's a part of the help and the work of the Holy Spirit. He helps you speak out and magnify God and speak, the Bible says, divine secrets and mysteries. I call the Holy Spirit God's head bypass operation. Now, why would God want to bypass your head? You know the answer to that, so I'm not even going to spend no time on that. In other words, that's because you got blockages in there that you're trying to figure out God with your peanut brain. And the problem is, is if you could figure out God with your peanut brain, we would all be disappointed. 
because heaven is going to get boring in about 15 minutes. But I'm telling you, God's ways and his thoughts come on are way beyond we'll ever come to the end of it. His thoughts, his ways, his plans, his purposes come on are beyond your peanut brain and your intellect and your reasoning. The Bible says the natural man cannot even receive the things of the Spirit of God. One translation says, the man of the highest intellectual attainments is not granted access to the things of the Spirit of God. In other words, you can get a PhD, come on. You'd be the smartest person in your family. I don't know what that's going to take, but you could be the smartest person in your family, come on. <laughs> but God is not a mind. God is not an intellect. God is not a brain. God is a spirit, and you've got to get on a different channel to contact God. So the Holy Spirit helps you switch from the natural channel to the pneuma or the spirit channel because God's always broadcasting on that channel. You adjust your set. So when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in a supernatural language. Actually, the apostle Paul said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. So the apostle Paul prayed in other tongues a lot. He said, yet in the church, in other words, tongues is primarily a spiritual gift for your devotions and brings you into closest fellowship with God and your spirit is edified and speaking divine secrets unless there would be tongues and interpretation which is used in a church meeting. But it's primarily a devotional gift. So Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in a supernatural language. Now, why is that important? One thing is the Holy Spirit as your paraclete, as the paraclete, or as your advocate, advocate, or you would have to say your advocate or your lawyer, your lawyer. So apparently God looked at you, saw your case and said, you're going to need a good lawyer. So Jesus literally is your advocate in heaven, and the Holy Spirit is your advocate in your heart. And the Holy Spirit has never lost a case if he can get his client to listen to him. All right, let's try this side over here. I said the Holy Spirit has never lost a case if he can get his client to recognize him. And listen to him. Because the Holy Spirit knows more about your future than you know about your past. So when it comes to the advocate, here's what P.C. Nelson. P.C. Nelson wrote Bible doctrines for the assemblies of God. He's one of the first what you'd call Pentecostal theologians. So P.C. Nelson said this about the advocate, the Holy Spirit. P.C. Nelson said this. He said that word advocate has a threefold meaning. Threefold meaning. He said the paraclete, advocate, the Holy Spirit has a threefold meaning. Number one, that means he has exceptional knowledge. All right, let's try this over. 
The Holy Spirit as your advocate has what? Exceptional knowledge. Well, that means several things. One, Dad Hagen said Jesus told him, if you would be led by the Holy Spirit, he said, I would make you rich. He said, I'm not opposed to you being rich. I'm opposed to you being covetous. In other words, the earth is the Lord's. God's not opposed to you being rich. He just wants you to be generous. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said, God's not opposed to you being rich. The earth is the Lord. But he said, if you would listen to the Holy Spirit. My dad always said the Holy Spirit's a genius. If you listen to him, he'll make you look smart. And we know you're not that smart. But you've got a genius living on the inside of you. And wouldn't it be a shame to have a genius living in you and you be doing all the talking? <laughs> so sometimes you've got to stop and say, Holy Spirit, you're the genius. I need you to do a head bypass operation. Come on, because you've got blockages between your ears. Amen. So number one, the Holy Spirit's a genius. That means this, that he has exceptional, he has exceptional knowledge, exceptional knowledge, exceptional knowledge. I said exceptional knowledge. The Holy Spirit's brilliant. He knows about money. He knows about women. And that is a miracle. He knows about men. He knows about your job. He knows everything. Exceptional knowledge. And as an advocate, as an attorney, an advocate, a lawyer, that means you would never want an attorney that's dumber than you are. I mean, what you want to hire him for, he's, uh, he's stupider than you are. So if you're going to get an attorney, you want one smarter than you are. So Jesus said, I've got an attorney that's going to work on your case, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to move inside of you, and he is brilliant. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Wigglesworth said, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he has power over your intellect. Or he'll think through your mind, he'll speak through your lips, and he'll magnify Jesus in a way that you never could without his help. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. So number one is what? He has exceptional knowledge. Number two is what? P.C. Nelson said he has expertise in protocol or procedure. That means even if you can win the case and you're in court, you've got to know the protocol to win that case. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, let me tell you how to act if you want to win this case. How to honor the blood. Amen how to lift your hands, how to magnify the Lord. He said, and you'll win the case. So number two is what? Expertise in protocol or procedure. Number three is persuasive speaking ability. That means the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has persuasive speaking ability. That means if an attorney is going to win a case, then you've got to speak to win that case. So the Holy Spirit will help you to speak to win that case. So you can speak, come on, with the words from the, with the scripture. He'll teach you what scriptures to use, or he'll give you a supernatural language. And while you're speaking that supernatural language, he said, I'm winning this case for you while you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Ha, ha, ha. 
Now, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, amen, they got so full of joy. I like to say it this way, you can't get a sad Holy Ghost. Now, you probably could if, if he got in some people that would probably make him sad, you know, trying to deal with some of us. But I'm just saying, generally speaking, you can't get a sad Holy Ghost because there's always joy in the Holy Ghost. Or the anointing is called the oil of joy. And I know some people don't think joy is very spiritual. They're like. We call that a deep sheep. Deep sheep, they're like. But you know, the Bible says God sits in the heavens and he laughs. You just can't get more spiritual than God. I'm just telling you. I mean, if that's a goal of your... And in his presence is fullness of joy. Hmm. So the Holy Spirit could have you laughing at the most unusual times. He could have you rejoicing. You'll even try to tell him, this is not a good time. I'm, I'm going through some trouble right now. He, but he said, that joy is protocol, that Jesus' victory is your victory. And if you'll rejoice and praise and magnify the Lord, I'll turn that situation around for you. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. 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 I already told you enough already. You ought to get happy already. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That joy in the Holy Ghost. So on the day of Pentecost, they got so full of joy that they accused them of being intoxicated. They said, these people are acting like they're drunk, intoxicated. Hmm. They're under the influence. <laughs> so apparently when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, there's joy in the Holy Ghost. So if you got Mary there, then who else you got there? Well, you got Peter there, and Peter stood up to preach on the day of Pentecost. So when I read that, I thought, now why is Peter preaching? Peter should be preaching. He should be like in minister's rehab. <laughs> Don't you think he should be in minister's rehab? I mean, he just denied the Lord three times. Come on. He should have somebody that he's saying, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> he's probably going, I bet they're going to write in the Bible and we'll be quoting it for the next 2,000 years. No. This is real depressing. No, Peter. <laughs> stood up to preach on the day of Pentecost, and he never mentioned his failure. Now, most of us, we would have, we would have had to bring it up. If we would have stood up on the day of Pentecost, we would have said something like, y'all just don't know what I've been through. It's been rough, hard. I can't tell you how bad it's been on me and my friends. It's been terrible. I'm telling you, it's been a nightmare. All that I've been through. I don't know why I did it. I didn't mean to do it. I did it once and I said, I'll never do that again. Then I did it again. <laughs> Come on, we're so self-consumed, aren't we? Let's, let's talk about me. Can we talk about me? 
You ever had anybody keep talking about their self, you know, and you're like, you're like, well, that just irritates me. I wish they'd shut up. I need to talk about myself for a little while. You keep talking about yourself. You're going to say, like, enough about you. Let's talk about me for a while. Instead, instead, when Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost, what happened? He never even mentioned his failure. Why? Because the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, that blood has totally erased and removed sin and failure and disappointment and has removed it so good, Peter was no longer even conscious of his failure. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll forget your failure. All right, let's try this out. I said, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll forget your failures. I said, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll forget your past and forget your failures and forget all the things you wished you would have and could have and should have, all those kind of regrets, all the shame is just dissipated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit takes what Jesus has done and makes it real to us. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so if there's no teaching on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, then many of us would actually try to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. How many know that's pretty difficult? I said, we'd try to be a Christian just from book learning or book knowledge. But you got more than just a book. You've got a person that moved in you. And he's the one that wrote the book. He ought to be able to explain it. Amen. So when the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when he comes, he's going to dwell in you forever. Now look at this real quickly. Smith Wigglesworth said, our only safeguard from dropping back into our natural mind from which we can receive nothing from God is to be filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's try this again. Smith Wigglesworth, in his book, Ever Increasing Faith, he said, our only safeguard from dropping back into our natural mind is to be filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. In other words, being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event. It's really a lifetime, come on, a daily, continuously yielding to the Holy Spirit. And you can just tell when you get filled. I always use the illustration of of a, of an iPhone, because you know if you got an iPhone, then uh, it's got an indicator up at the top that tells you how much battery time you got, right? So it's uh, battery time. See, and it says full. Did you know having a full battery on your phone does not happen by accident? You got a plan on it being full. Hmm. And you got to plug it in for more than just 10 seconds. You can't just go, all right, got that. No. It's a charge, right? Now think about that. Full. And how many can tell when it starts going down? 
It's going down, you're like, oop, half full. Oop, it's going down. And then it'll start telling you 10%. Then it go like to 8%, 5%. If you're talking to somebody, you're like, I'm going to talk to you real fast here because my phone could die at any moment. I'm telling you right now, I'm in the middle of the jungle here. <laughs> and you're in bad shape if you're running a GPS on your phone <laughs> and it turns red. You're like, ooh, I don't know where I'm at. That means you fixing to hit empty and then you're going to be lost, right? Or you're going to be stopping at that station asking that man, do you know how he's going, well, I think you go down there and you turn at that tree down there and there'll be a blue truck usually sitting over there if you turn over there and then you go over there and somebody moved the truck. So then you go somewhere. And then he'll say something like, you can't miss it. <laughs> sure you can't if you've been living here for 50 years. So, so you got, when it starts hitting red, you know. And then on an iPhone, you know, when they first came out, I mean, uh, I, did, I was kind of intimidated by it when they first came out. I'm like, I don't need all that. Just give me a phone, you know, flip it up. I'm going to call people, you know, answer the phone. So the kids stuff, you know, you need to give an iPhone. It's a smartphone, man. You can do a lot more than just do, I don't want to do a lot more. I just want to answer the phone. Right? I never would have suspected that I'd be reading the newspaper on my phone. You know, 30 years ago, I said, no, I ain't reading the newspaper on the phone. I'm going to get me a newspaper. But now, if I want to read a newspaper, I just read it on the phone. Then they said, you know, there's what they call an app store. I said, now, how do you spell that? <laughs> an app store. I never even heard of an app store. But then you go to the app store, and you find out, whoo! You can get on Amazon from your app. What can you get on Amazon from your app? You can get you a truck, a car, a trailer, and a refrigerator and air conditioner on Amazon. You can get all kinds of stuff on Amazon. You can order groceries on Amazon. Come on. You got a GPS. You got a newspaper here. You got social media where you can talk tonight. I was playing so that Trina's mom and dad and Patsy's mom and dad, they're 80-something years old, that they could watch their daughters from Australia on Facebook. So I was playing it for them because they're sitting up in the house in Colorado. They're going, look at Patsy. Look at her. We raised that girl. Ain't she pretty? Look at Trina. Ain't she nice? You know, they're 80 years old. Oh, get me some milk. Could you get me some milk? Oh, Lord, look at Trina and Patsy. They're in Australia. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's all because I'm a good son-in-law, and I'm showing it. It's not that easy to be a good son-in-law. Be like that guy that went to the doctor, you know. <laughs> he went to the doctor, and the doctor told him, said, you're going to die. You're going to die in six months. There ain't nothing we can do. You're just going to die in six months. No. He said, please, medical science. He said, no, medical science can't do nothing. You're going to die in six months. There ain't nothing we can do about it. 
He said, oh, doc, he started crying. There must be something we can do. He said, no, there ain't nothing we can do. He said, six months, I got to die. Yeah, six months. He said, there must be something you can do. He said, well, there is something you can do. He said, you could have your mother-in-law move in with you, and it would seem like a lifetime. <laughs> so don't tell my mother-in-law I told that joke. So now, <laughs> when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> come on. I found out there was 100 apps, 500 apps. There's a million apps. But if your battery goes dead, you ain't got no apps. So I think Christians should have like an indicator on their forehead. Like, <laughs> so when they come into church, you're like, oh, 3% left on this one here. And you can tell they're like, we better get them plugged into the Holy Ghost fast, man. They're like, other people are already full. They're like, <laughs> when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it opens up a million possibilities. love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? Well, I heard this story, so don't be offended because we can use it either way about a man that was at a bar and he was drinking. And while he's drinking, he'd order a drink and then he'd pull something out of his pocket. He'd look at it and then he'd put it back in his pocket. Then he'd order another drink. He'd pull something out of his pocket, look at it, and then he'd get another drink. Then he'd put it back in his pocket. Then he'd order another drink. Then he'd get, pull something out of his pocket, look at it, and he'd put it back in his pocket, and then he'd get another drink. Then he'd get another drink, and he'd pull it back in his pocket, and put it back in his pocket, and he'd get another drink. Finally, the bartender said, what are you doing, man? You'd like keep getting these drinks, and you'd like pull something out of your pocket, look at it. Well, what do you keep doing? He said, well, he said, I keep drinking. Then I pull that picture. I said, that's a picture of my wife. He said, so I keep looking and I keep drinking until that picture looks good and then I'm going to go home. <laughs> now, for the ladies, we could say that's a picture of your husband, all right? So, so, so I just want to tell you, when you're intoxicated, <laughs> when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it makes everybody look better, I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, people you couldn't even get along with when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're saying, I love you. Come on, but if you come back in the natural like, get away from me. But if you get filled with the Holy Ghost and I love you. I love both of you. Oh, I mean, I just want to. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> When you're filled with the Spirit, and you just have to do that on purpose because it won't happen accidentally. In other words, you have to on purpose. I love the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul prayed, and he said, Father God, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the whole family in heaven and earth's name. Father God, that you would grant me according to the riches of your glory. What you want? That you would grant me to be what? Strengthened with mighty power by the Holy Spirit in my inner man. Isn't that amazing? 
that the Holy Spirit strengthens your spirit, your inner man. One translation said, he gives you the power to win. All right, let's try that side over here. I said, when the Holy Spirit strengthens your inner man, he gives you what? The power to win. You say, win in what? Win in everything. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. And in any area that it looks like you're losing, if you'll recognize and be filled with the Holy Spirit, he'll turn that situation around. And you'll win in that area of your life. Because the Holy Ghost wins. He is a winner. Come on, God is a winner. Jesus, his victory, his triumph. Amen. That's why the Holy Spirit, sometimes he just starts to move. You yield to him. You just start lifting your voice and praising God. Come on. You'll lift your hands. And then sometimes you, come on, we're not talking about sad, you know. Sometimes even Pentecostals, they, they pray sad all the time. You can pray sad sometimes, but just don't pray sad all the time. I was raised in Pentecostal church where they, they even pray in sad tongues. <laughs> like when they pray in tongues, never pray in tongues happy. They're always like, you're like, Lord have mercy. So you shouldn't, <laughs> it's okay if that makes you happy, but I'm just telling you, you shouldn't, have, you don't have whining tongues all the time. Whining tongues. Come on. Yield to the Holy Ghost and let the river flow. Come on. And he'll give you a supernatural language to pray that'll bypass your head, your mind, your thinking. And you're filled with the Holy Ghost. He brings the triumph of Christ. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. So Jesus taught, the Apostle Paul taught the person, the work of the Holy Spirit. So that you and I could just, you know, get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and say, Holy Spirit, I know you're in there. Don't act like you're not in there, because I know you're in there. <laughs> I think some people have the Holy Spirit tied up and gagged in the basement. They only let him out on Sunday morning. Some Sunday morning. But they got him tied up in gags, so he's down in there, and you can hear him in there. He's like, help, let me out. You say, no, I can't let you out right now. Last time I let you out, you had me happy and laughing and praising God and all that stuff. People think I'm weird. They think you're weird anyhow. So, Holy Spirit tied up in gag. Come on, he's in there. Help, let me out. I say, no, I can't let you out. Last time I let you out, you had me giving a lot more money than I was planning on giving. I wasn't planning on giving him much money. <laughs> you can't get no stingy Holy Ghost, man. You get filled with the Holy Ghost. He's generous. <laughs> In other words, recognize him and yield to him and let that river flow. And when the Holy Spirit brings everything Christ has done for you and what he is doing for you, and brings all that. Come on, if you ever had a partner in business, you don't want a partner that don't bring nothing to the table. Come on, you want a partner say, what's he bringing to this deal? Either he's bringing his intelligence, 
He's bringing his money. What's he bringing? His influence? I don't need no partner. Ain't going to bring nothing to the table. Man, when you yield to the Holy Ghost, he brings some stuff to the table. He says, I bring everything that Jesus has done and is doing. And I'm your partner. Hallelujah. You can make him your senior partner. Hallelujah. Amen. Yielded to the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Y'all learn anything tonight? How many of you thank God for the Holy Ghost? Lift your hands up. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and stand on your feet. Stretch your legs a little bit. Praise God. There's joy in the Holy Ghost. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Where's the singers at? Because Brother Hagin said, you ought to be ready. I learned that from Dad Hagin. You know, he's, he'd always tell the singers, you ought to be ready. Uh, get up here, man. You can't sit at the back. You're supposed to be up here leading singing. So uh, we'll give you a designated seat up here. Uh, we want to sing that song, Joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I want you just to go ahead and just get full of joy. To shield to the Holy Ghost. And I know some of y'all to be full of joy, you can't hardly tell it. It's you're like, I am full of joy right now. But <laughs> you get full of joy, that gets on your countenance. Amen. I said that gets on your countenance. It brightens up your countenance. Imagine what you look like. Imagine what you look like in the realm of the Spirit when you're full of the Holy Ghost. Let's try that again. I said, imagine what you look like in the realm of the Spirit when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. I guarantee you the devil goes, I like what Reinhard Bonnke said. He said, a fly will not land on a hot stove. You know what that means? That means when you're on fire, the devil ain't going to land on you for several days. You come on, you get full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. And you can just get filled on purpose. I know something about drinking. And you can't drink with your mouth shut. I know that's profound. How many of you ever got a drink without opening your mouth? No. They drank from the presence of the Lord and they had to open their mouth. The book of Job says, open your mouth wide for the latter rain. Psalm said, open your mouth wide and God will fill it. Ha, ha, ha. Full of joy, full of the Holy Ghost. Let's lift our hands up right now. Father God, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Ha, ha. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Just thank him for the blood. We're redeemed by the blood. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.